Good evening. I'm Nolan Matter. And I'm Nick Lopez. And this is As, As a, a Matter, Matter of Fact. Well, welcome, Nick, to this evening of our second official podcast. Yep. How, are you, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. I'm enjoying the topic we're going to talk about, and yeah, I'm, I'm feeling all right. Well, what's been keeping you busy these days? Typical stuff, work. I had a great and enjoyable evening last night with some friends going out to dinner to celebrate somebody's birthday that you know we're both uh, very fond of. Yes, so, the fondue was great. Yes, we were fond of the fondue. <laughs> very fond of it. But yeah, things things are going all right. Just a typical week in my in my uh, journal. But you know, speaking of journals, uh, how's your week going? It's going great, and I could easily look back to everything that went on this week because I do keep a journal. In fact, I keep something called the five minute journal. Uh, you should look it up if you haven't heard of it. It's pretty interesting. You basically take five minutes in the morning to write things down. They have questions for you, and then you take five minutes at night. But usually it takes me about 12 to 15 minutes to complete because I guess I like thinking deeply about my thoughts. Um, but it's fun because one of the things they have in the journal is they'll give you a weekly challenge. And this week's challenge was to listen to a, a TED Talk called Everyday Leadership. And it really got me thinking about the leaders and the type of people we elevate in our society, um, the people we listen to in our culture, and how that has an impact on our lives. And so, I mean, just thinking through this, we can we can probably come up with a, a quick list of people who, I mean, even Stephen Colbert on The Tonight Show has a huge audience, and people look up to Stephen Colbert as, as a leader. Can you think of any people off the top of your head? Uh, well, I just want to clarify Stephen Colbert's on the one, I don't know what the actual name of it is. Uh, the, late the Late Show. The Late Show, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon's on the Tonight Show, but good fact check. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, in that same vein, actually, uh, I've been watching a lot of little clips from uh, Conan O'Brien, and if you know his story of how he kind of got uh, robbed of the Tonight Show with some uh, interesting um, uh, circumstances, so that's uh, like his story moving to TBS from NBC, leaving the Tonight Show is yeah. very. Uh, it's very inspiring. If you don't know that story, definitely go back and check it. Uh, so he he's somebody that that I would say is along that same line that you're talking about. Probably more inspiring. It's way more inspiring, I would say, than Kim Kardashian's Instagram. Although it's well, incredible the following that she has and the fact that she yeah. seems to have so much influence on people just through that. If if you heard recently, the State of the Union happened. And uh, the criminal justice reform, depending on what you think on politics, but she had a hand to play in that because of her her following and her influence, and people actually kind of looked to her as a, a thought leader. Interestingly enough, but what I thought I found really fascinating about that is interesting. Uh, this everyday leadership TED Talk is it kind of broke those barriers of what we think of leadership. Um, it really got down to the level to think about how we're all leaders, how whether we realize it or not. We're making an impact and influence on others with our actions every day. And that's kind of what I wanted to dive into tonight and take a step back and really look at influence as a topic and yeah. 
And my main question, I think, for tonight, and we can have some dialogue about this, is should we care about what other people think? That's a great question. Uh, and, and one that I think a lot of people may not even think about as they go through their day. But, yeah. Yeah, and I just have a story to go on with that today, and it just it just so happened at work. And it's funny because when you think about when you're doing difficult tasks, I made a mistake. And some people in certain jobs would say, well, it's not rocket science as a derogatory term. How could you make a mistake? But the fact of the matter is, Nick, I work in rocket science. <laughs> I work in an aerospace company, and we kind of build rockets. And so... So it is rocket science. It is rocket science. Um, and I did make this mistake today. And how it happened... I was working on a new part that I haven't worked on before, and I had gotten help from somebody who I value a lot at the company. He's been there a long time, and he's always been someone who's been willing to help me out. And he was helping me set up with a job and what I needed to do and kind of walking me through it. And I brought him what I thought were the proper tools to use on this job, and he helped me set it up and said, go for it. And so we have directions that we're supposed to go through as well, and I didn't go through those as in-depth as I should have. And um, long story short, I ended up cutting this hole too big and if you cut something too small you can easily adjust that but if you cut something too big it's hard to to fix that and have material magically Mm -hmm. reappear yeah and i had somebody recognize that i had made this mistake and came over and looked at it and then you have another person coming over and looking at it and by this time now there's a whole bunch of people from my department just coming over to check out what's the big story and i guess there might not be a lot of things going on you'd think about when everybody's checking out what did nolan do wrong what is this mistake that he made? And the craziest thing to me was my previous supervisor has moved up in the company and he's in a different department that's next door to ours. Sometimes he comes through every now and then because he's talking with people from our department, trying to make sure you have those relationships built. And he ends up seeing this group of people surrounded by what are they looking at? So he comes over and he starts sort of railing on me like, what did you do? What'd you make a mistake on? How'd you mess this up? How could you kind of thing? And Honestly, with all these people around, I didn't really look to them as, what am I going to do to fix this problem? I was looking for the guy who had helped me with the part in the first place, because he's the only one I really wanted to help me work through the situation, because he had been in this before. He knows how this thing works. He's been working at the company for a long time. And so I I didn't know where he was. He wasn't around. um, So I was like, maybe he knows I messed up and ditched. But I ended up working on something else for a little while. And towards the middle of the day, he came up to me later and said, hey, I know what the issue was. I know it went on. And I took care of it for you. And I talked to the other supervisors and I talked to the engineers and and we figured it all out. And I realized it was kind of, you know, my bad for setting you up with not recognizing the tool you were about to use for that. Of course, you should be reading the directions because that's really important. But um, I thought that was just really cool. Because I could have easily got really frustrated at everybody for railing on me for making this mistake at work. I could have really, mm-hmm. I could have really had them influencing my thoughts and actions. But instead, I looked to the person who I knew was going to help me get through the situation and really be able to solve the problem. And I think that's important is when we look at people that are influencing us all the time. They're influencing our actions and our attitude, whether we realize it or not. And are they people that we want to be having influence our actions and our attitude? Are they people that really matter? Um, so when I think of this question, should we care about what people think? Well, we do it whether we realize it or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 got me thinking, really. Uh, in that story that you just told about your work situation, what you talked about mostly the influence that your supervisor, or your, was your supervisor or your coworker? 
or a supervisor. So the the person who helped me out with the part originally is a coworker. Oh, coworker. Okay. Yeah. So his like leadership example really uh, just resonated with you is kind of what I was hearing from your story. But on the backside of it, I heard a little bit of maybe insecurity in what other people might have thought. And can you expand on that a little? Because I'm curious. You you got the situation sorted out and figured out. But in that time, while you were kind of painfully waiting to figure things out, uh, you didn't really know if he was going to come back. And can you kind of just tell me how, how that made you feel? Did you think other people were, were thinking you were stupid or something? Or like? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was talk that, you know, I'd really messed this up this time and that they weren't sure if they're going to be able to salvage this part or, you know, what it was going to cost. Um, and maybe I'd cost the company a lot of money. And so that was mm-hmm. worrisome to me. I never like making mistakes. And I always want to figure out how I can do better in that situation. Um, but I think the main thing I was thinking of was, I'm going to take ownership of this, like no matter what happens, I'm going to take responsibility for this. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what we have to do. We got to take ownership for the decisions that we make, despite the influences around us. But yeah, it was kind of frustrating at the beginning with people who were involved that I didn't think needed to be involved in that situation. I could have talked to my current supervisor and told him the story of, you know, what happened and how we can move forward with that. But to have this conglomerate of people coming up and trying to influence like what what should happen next when they're not, it's not in their purview or their pay grade or, you know, their job view. I didn't think was necessary. Right. Yeah. That actually makes me think of some of the situations I've had in my work regarding influence. And, uh, I've played into a lot of them and I work in more of an office environment. So there's the typical office politics and, uh, primarily, especially when there's a lot of, um, drama happening or changes, there inevitably you're going to get gossip. So that that situation you had with your coworkers almost sounded like they were congregating around the situation in in kind of a gossipy way. Yeah. And I go, oh, what did Nolan do? Oh, oh, what? Uh oh. You know, and that happens in my work all the time, and I and I partake in it sometimes, and. The way that people act at, you know, I can only speak for myself, but when I'm at work, uh, you know, I know gossip is toxic and it's not a good thing, but it's, uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, it's enjoyable to partake in. And it's, I think it's a human condition to just want to kind of commiserate with others when things aren't going well. And so I have to be careful of the influence that other people that, uh, you know, just kind of talk about others at work around me or you got the rumor mill going. And so for me, you know, I'll just give an example. Um, eh, so for me, there's uh, a lot of changes at my work going on structurally and, you know, managerially. Right. And everybody's kind of speculating because we, we don't like, we're not management. So we don't really know the, the changes until they actually happen. So, there's a lot of people that partake in the rumors and the gossip and there's a lot of frustration from the changes that is necessary to you know kind of get rid of to just create more of a healthy work environment but yeah every day it's been tough because i i kind of like knowing what's going on and i have to step back and think especially like when i come home and think about my day uh lately what what is this uh, influence 
you know, what kind of effect is the influence of this gossiping and all these changes having on me? And I can tell you it's created insecurities and it's uh, uneasiness. But I think if you just, uh, you just kind of step away from it and don't partake in the drama or the gossip like, like most people like to do, then it really helps to get a better perspective on, you know, how powerful influence is like we're talking about. And that's kind of more of the negative aspect of influence. Um, right. And you're recognizing in that situation that you can have power to, I mean, some people feel powerless in situations where they don't think they can have an impact in changing the dialogue and what happens in the work and, you know, workplace dialogue is not always positive. And there's a lot of gossip as you're mentioning before. And I, I definitely resonate with that, but I think we can start changing uh, the culture little by little of our workplaces with what we decide to focus on and what we talk about. Cause that will have tap into other people will recognize that. And I mean, if you just think about it, we, we all want to fit in in a sense. And that's why you have people getting in these discussions, you know, Oh, what am I missing out on? I want to fit in. Mm-hmm. What's really cool about my company is there's a lot of younger people being hired on who are millennials who are my age. And I've been able to connect really well with them. And so I think it does change the focus and the dialogue I think we're more positive, to be honest, than the people have been working there for decades and, you know, they might not like the job so much and we bring this new type of energy. So I think just the little things that you can do to have an impact on what you focus on, like you're saying with with gossip, for instance, if you don't partake in that and let's say you elevate something else in somebody's conversation and focus on like, oh, well, I really appreciate that you said this or that you talked about this thing. And then you have that discussion that really shows them that okay well he doesn't want to talk about gossip with me so i can't really talk about gossip with him and then they know these are the things that we can have discussions are and that can start slowly changing the culture yeah yeah definitely i agree uh kind of to bring it back to what we talked about last time on our first episode uh with millennials and the way culture has influenced the generation that when you when you mentioned uh somebody influential in the culture uh, being the Kardashians, it's uh, it's really telling of just who the current generation looks to for influence. And right, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned Kardashians at first because there's a, I have a coworker who actually in well two coworkers, um, younger women that are very influenced by the Kardashians, and to the point of they they think eh, that. Like Kylie has her like makeup lines and, you know, they have like clothing lines and fashion lines and different things. And these women like their products and they actually think that it's a better product because it has, you know, the Kardashian Jenner name on it. And that's uh, pretty silly. Yeah, that's kind of silly if you think about it. But we do that a lot. And in a lot of products and a lot of things that, you know, the culture pushes out is very, I mean, especially our culture is very media, um, Hollywood heavy, pop culture. That's just kind of, we're pushed at these people are influential because they're successful, but is success something that should be, you know, one of our main influencers? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. I, I think a lot of people do chase after success because they're seen and a lot of people want to be seen and, and noticed and have, and have value. I'm going to find this real quick. 
There's a post that a friend of mine made recently, and here's what he says. I spent my whole life trying to stand out because I never felt like I would fit in. And I think it's maybe it's the opposite. Hmm. I think it's it's if you reverse that, that's what it is, in my opinion. Yeah. It's I spent my whole life trying to fit in and never really ended up standing out. And I think we do that a lot because we're chasing after what whether it's people in Hollywood or, or these different leaders that we put on this pedestal thinking like that's really where I want to achieve and that's really where I want to get. And we're not really recognizing um, the impact that we have on a lower level. So when we're talking about influencing the world here, there's this really great post that I was reading on the Instagram, which is the medium of millennials, I believe. And it's by Jaron Myers and says, so many young leaders don't even want to change the world. They only want to be seen and known as the one who changed the world. Hmm. Yeah, I just think that's so fascinating and it rings so true. And when we're talking about this this influence that we're having on on others, if you're not really lifting anybody up, if you're not having those positive impacts, if you just want to be seen as somebody who's, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so great because I do this thing or I'm so successful because I do this thing, I think that's the wrong focus to have. Um, I think of influence a lot in relationships and in friendships and just the power that we give to different friends because, and just taking this back, I think, to when we're talking about, you know, should we care what other people think? Um, there's some people that you should not care what they think. They mm. don't know you. They don't know where you're coming from in certain situations. And we have this problem in our culture all the time where people are lashing out on the interwebs about something they don't really know or somebody they don't actually know. And so, but if it's your best friend that comes up to you and says, hey, man, I saw you did this thing and I don't think that's a good idea. Those are the kind of people you want to have in your life that are really pushing you to be better and causing you to really think about you know, the things that you're doing and, and what effect that they're having on. Mm-hmm. I guess I should have a question in here for you, hmm. but I don't. What are your thoughts? Well, I kind of want to take it back to what you said about fitting in uh, just briefly. Uh, so that quote, I think, is something that is is really uh, non-generational. And I, I think that's... Uh, you know, it, it spans across just humanity, and it, it actually is very timely. Uh, it's 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 a topic that our current culture is really pushing against, and and maybe maybe more on the extreme side. But it, we're talking about uh, social justice and feminism and equal rights. There's uh, you know there's been um, and I can't speak to women specifically because I, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but they have struggled for a long time to fit in to, I mean, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a man's world. Right. And, uh, you know, I can only imagine how difficult it, it is to try and be successful in, you know, what would be, you know, what most consider a man's world when it comes to, you know, like jobs or... um just uh, the way society looks at the genders. And just, uh, I think it was yesterday or a couple days ago, just recently this week, um, Pixar started this new uh, uh, Spark Shorts animation. And, and, and it's really to 
um, it, typically they'll do shorts in front of uh, their you know their feature films yep. to kind of test their creative abilities of their staff. Well, this new pro- project is to kind of go past that, go beyond that, and to test their their um, you know creative abilities and and test different things with their staff on kind of a different aspect. But it's still animation. So the first short that came out is called Pearl, and P U R L. And it's a really cute, um, a little edgy, but very interesting short. I think it's about nine minutes long. Go check it out. And the main top, the main uh, like topic of it, I guess, is inclusion and fitting in. And without giving too much away, it basically is a ball of yarn that gets a job at bro industries or the bro company (laughs) (laughs) and pretty much it you know it's written by a woman so it's kind of from the perspective of a a woman working in a a very heavily male um animation uh, organization or industry right and so the the short is very telling of kind of maybe what women experience in a lot of companies that are male dominated and it really it goes through showing the ball yarn trying to fit in and ending up really losing herself yeah because she was trying to fit in and when she realized that she just needed to be herself the whole like picture turned around and there was you know it was kind of a ideal utopic scenario but the workplace in that story became more uh, inclusive and diverse and it, it it was very interesting. I I found a lot of uh, inspiration from it, but it just uh, that um, that thought of fitting in made me think of that, and I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, definitely. Know. I mean, I'll definitely have to check that out because it sounds really interesting and just resonates. I think a lot with yeah how we do want to fit in, and we take away. I think we give away certain parts of ourselves and hide certain parts of ourselves because we're afraid we won't fit in. And I think it takes courage to be yourself in those situations. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really helpful because that can have a bigger influence on people when you're just being yourself. Absolutely. I think it has more of a positive influence because you get a lot of toxic toxicity and negativity when you're trying to not be yourself, I guess. And, and not, and, and when you're trying to fit into a, uh, you know, whether it be a, a workplace environment or, uh, you know, a sports team or, a, you know, a bowling league or any extracurricular activity you do or even a friend circle. When you when you become the chameleon in the group because you're afraid to let your own personality come out, you know. Well, you're being a people pleaser. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. I mean, and that's something that's, that's really... Uh, damaging in a way to to you like having a healthy i mean psyche i guess you could say and just you know really having that self-identity but yeah people pleasing is uh well there's there's articles there's actually an article i read on it recently about you know some of the signs that you could like that that would point to you maybe you're being a people pleaser and and you know we can go through that, you know, a little later maybe. But overall, the the point of it was, you you don't want to lose yourself by trying to please others, 
and there could because it could really lead to you know some some really damaging um, insecurities and I, I mean I don't want to say uh, you know mental instability but there there are some things that be that could that could come out of it that might you know require uh, therapy down the road I mean it's that serious. Yeah, it's definitely something to look out for. And I know it's it's, it's something, something I really struggle with now, but back in the past, I used to always, um, one of the things I used to always do is run away from conflict. You know, that was one of the, the signs that I was trying to please people because I wanted to be in harmony with everybody. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is not everybody's going to like you. I mean, you might have an amazing podcast with, you know, 10 people listening to it at this point, but some people just aren't going to like you and you're going to have to be able to. That's okay. Yeah, that's totally okay. Because, you know, we can still have an impact that's positive to those those 10 subscribers. They don't, they probably don't subscribe yet, you know. <laughs> we got to put out more content. Um, but if we have the confidence. That's true. They will subscribe. You know, there's We this, build it and they will come. You know, there's this great poem. <laughs> we build it, they will come. <laughs> that's a great movie. <laughs> oh, we should get into movie talk some of these times. We'll have to incorporate that somehow in here. Because sure. I love movies. Um, there's a few good ones coming out, too. But... There's a poem by Marion Williamson that's you've probably heard of. It's called Our Deepest Fear. Um, she says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Okay, well, let's expand on that because that's something that uh, the the guy, uh, what was his name in the TED Talk that we, that we mentioned? Drew. Drew Dudley. Drew Dudley. He, he actually mentioned that quote uh, towards the end of that TED Talk. So That's why you should go listen to that TED Talk. Definitely recommend listening to it, but I want to hear your thoughts on it, Nolan, because I, I, I wrote that quote down after I heard it. and You're trying uh, to dissect it and figure out what it really means. I've been, uh, I mean, without really having you know more context in why she said it or where it came from, I don't, I don't know if I actually agree with it. Mm, interesting. So, what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I think when she's talking about our deepest fear is not that we're not quite. She's basically saying our deepest fear is not that we are like insufficient and unable to do what we can do. Not that we don't have the power to do what we're capable of doing. But when we're talking about workplace, one of the things is you know we can stop gossiping. We do have that that power, and it's not that we're afraid. And this this might be what you're getting at. It's not that we're afraid that we don't have that power, but it's we're afraid that what might be the difference if we do end up changing this. Because a lot of us, I think, you know, are ultimately afraid of change in some ways. So our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It's our light and our darkness that frightens us. It's basically just saying we might up in like the status quo, and that might be something we're not expecting. But I get what you're saying now that I think more and more about this. That <laughs> that it might be, yeah, it, you might have some. You might have something there. This is definitely a thinker quote. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what she was referring to when she said it. Uh, I know the um, you know TED talk was about uh, leadership, everyday leadership, just kind of unexpected leadership. But if I was to kind of apply this to my life, I think one thing that that would make it applicable is I can see myself being afraid of my own success at work. 
And a part of it comes from not wanting to grow, not wanting, I guess, from being from being vulnerable and wanting to just feel safe and right. wanting to be in a position. Because success comes with criticism to some extent. And vulnerability. And vulnerability. Yeah, so you put yourself out there and... You know, it means changing your your habits, your patterns, your routines, um, getting into an uncomfortable place. Uh, but ultimately, if it's, I mean, if it's really something that you want to do to improve not only yourself, but whatever you're working on, when, you know, if we're talking about a work environment, um, or it could also lead to you uh, inspiring and inf- influencing other people to better their lives. So, like, for me... My deepest fear when it comes to work is that I do have the ability to, you know, promote, but in the same, you know, breath, I think that my, you know, my other, the other part of that would be my deepest fear is, will I succeed? Yeah. So not, not really knowing that I can succeed but are you willing to put yourself out there to even try i think i see this uh in my workplace a lot because i think there's a lot of changes that can be made to make things smoother to really help production um and do i really want the pushback that's kind of come from wanting to put in these these changes in and i've had conversations with several people about certain things and and People don't like change a lot. They don't want to move on it. They've been they've been thinking it's going right so well so far. Why change anything? Why do we need to update this? But I think it's really helpful to look at how we can always become better and what do we need to implement to make that happen. And so we'll see if I'm gonna be pushing forward with these some of these changes that I have written down um, for work. When you know my performance review comes up, it's definitely something yeah. I want to have a conversation with my supervisor about and see sure. how I can move forward on this. And I think there's great opportunities for that. But yeah, you, I mean, I definitely agree. It takes vulnerability. It takes, you know, it takes courage and you got to take a chance on it. And, but you never know in those, in those moments, what will ultimately become and the great things that come out of that or the great learning experience you had through that. You're going to fail uh, many, many times before you succeed. And it's kind of something that we mentioned in our first episode about, instant success and not wanting to put the work in right to you know to have that success and it kind of flows back to that you know that quote you said uh about wanting to be successful or wanting to be known for changing the world and being successful but not wanting to actually do the work right yeah i think we do live in a generation who you're right there's not a lot of you're not seeing a lot of effort because people are impatient they want to get that instant like they want to start a YouTube channel, become YouTube famous right away. Um, actually, I thought that was funny. I remember reading an article about, you know, teachers asking kids what they wanted to be when they grow up. And back in the day when you would ask kids, they'd be, I want to be a firefighter, police officer, an astronaut, you know, all those classic things. And it just happened a few years ago where they started asking kids. And one of the common answers was, you know, a YouTube, famous YouTube YouTuber. But yeah, I thought that was just funny because when you think about it as well, I mean, it's that's the another influence that this generation is, you know, going through is YouTubers. Yeah, you, YouTube's something that's really just, I mean, grown in the last ten, fifteen years, and 
now it actually is a platform for influence. So, you know, just to stay on topic with our influence um, discussion, you you typically watch YouTube videos of people that influence you, that you enjoy their content, you you either get value from it or you want to imitate it or you want to, um, you know, replicate it and be like them. Um, but a lot of YouTube stars, they, they, it just didn't happen overnight. So, well, I've definitely enjoyed this conversation. I figured we'd go to a portion of what do you think our most tweetable lines were? I have a couple written down. Yeah. Maybe you can come up with some. Sure. Well, here we go. All right. When you think about influencing, think about influencing as our actions and our attitude. So when somebody's influencing you, they're influencing your actions and your attitude, how you're feeling or what you're ultimately going to do. That's kind of what my definition of influence was for this topic. But obviously there's others that go along with that. And then here's another one that we didn't really discuss, but it sounds piffy and it might need a little explanation. Use inference applied influence. So inference is, is the concept of evidence-based reasoning. Um, and you apply that to influence that you're having. You're always here's being conscious of how you're influencing other people when you're thinking about when we talked about the work culture and just being conscious of how other people are influencing you. So I think that's just the important things to look out for. Yeah, definitely. Well, I didn't mention these in <clears throat> in our conversation, but uh, two quotes that stand out to me for you know tweetability. Right. Are there was one from Henry Ford, and you can fact check these. Uh, I just found these uh, <clears throat> on the you know faithful and very true internet. So I I don't take credit for the factual nature of them. But Henry Ford, somebody who was you know, very influential to uh, our well, really our modern society, he said. Uh, but he said this about failure. He said failure is simply the opportunity to begin again. This time more intelligently. And then uh, that other quote that I was trying to you know, extrapolate was from actually Thomas Edison. And that, I don't know if this is 100% true. I've heard people say, uh, yeah, mention this quote from him. Um, but I think there's some speculation on whether or not he actually said it. But he's quoted, for, he's quoted saying, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. So, yeah, those are good. Definitely those, tweetable. Those, those are mine. You know, I'm definitely creating a Twitter right now <laughs> for our you podcast. You don't have a Twitter? Not our oh. podcast Twitter. Oh, podcast so, Twitter. Um, that matters. If you want to end on a positive story, you were mentioning something about Conan earlier. Um, the Barbarian? No. <laughs> yeah, no. Conan, the late night host. Yes. Um, do you want to end on, on what you talked yeah. about with that? Yeah, I think that actually would be a good ending. Um, so I was watching this video on YouTube yesterday, and uh, I've been watching a lot of Conan uh, clips from his show, and it's something that I enjoy just watching on, on YouTube because I think that he's uh, funny, and I think that he's um, entertaining. So I found this YouTube video that a YouTuber put together about uh, the Tonight Show debacle. Now, if you don't know what happened with the Tonight Show, 
uh, Jay Leno was going to retire. NBC wanted Conan to take over. Um, well, actually, Jay Leno wasn't going to retire. He was still in his contract, but uh, NBC told him that in five years, they wanted Conan to take over. So Conan took over for Jay Leno, but the NBC didn't want to lose Jay Leno. So there was a whole bunch of mess with Jay Leno having another show and interfering with Conan. And then they were going to move the Tonight Show to a really crappy time at like 12.05 a.m. And Conan was like, no, that's going to ruin the franchise. I'm not going to do it if you put it on at that time. And so he walked. He he was on the Tonight Show for seven months. And, you know, it was one of his biggest dreams to host the Tonight Show. And it, you know, there there was a lot of animosity and a lot of just struggle and frustration with the whole situation. And... Um, in his last episode of the Tonight Show, before he, you know, went to do his Conan show on TBS, he actually said something very, um, just very inspiring, and I I just caught it in the video, and I didn't really follow any of this until um, recently. I, but apparently, it was something that was kind of influential that he said and it was in um 2010 on his final episode of the tonight show he said um he said this quote at the end he said you know and giving some advice as he was leaving he he said all i ask is one thing and i'm asking this particularly of young people that watch please do not be cynical i hate cynicism for the record it's my least favorite quality it doesn't lead anywhere Nobody in life gets exactly what they thought they were going to get, but if you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. I'm telling you, amazing things will happen. So, kind of with tears in his eyes, he he said that, and I, gosh, it, it just hit me, it, you know, because that's wow. something that really resonates, especially when I was, you know, mentioning the gossip aspect of, like, the workplace, that that really stems from cynicism and your inability to kind of see the silver lining in situations or the positivity. And I, I found myself really being that cynical person and just thinking the worst and not really wanting to uh, own up to it. But it kind of hit, hit home. It hit me hard when, when I heard him say that and it's a quote from nine years ago but just just like the fact that cynicism is so toxic and yet so normal in our society especially when we see the one of the things that people say in comments yeah definitely um, you know they hide behind their screen but that that would just be my advice take conan's advice and just be kind not everything's going to work out in your in your favor. You're not going to have every situation of success happen immediately. Um, don't strive for success. Just strive to be a nice person. And and you can have an impact and yeah. an influence with not being cynicism and just being grateful. And you know what, Nolan? I'm grateful for you. Well, thanks, Nick. It's been great joining you for this as our second episode wraps up. And we'll catch you next time. All right. See you soon.